You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Podcast. I am your host and wrestling fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. So, uh, first of all, sorry for the buzzing in the background. I'm sure that's still a thing, and I am recording in a hotel room, which these, this hotel has made no attempt to soundproof the walls. And uh, dogs are allowed, so if you hear barking in the background, that would be why. But anyways, with that out of the way, uh, I gotta be honest. I think um, I've, I've pretty quickly, I think, made peace with the 2019 season. And in fact, I'm actually feeling quite good, and I know there's a lot of anger. I received a lot of angry tweets and, and whatnot, and I've seen it in the Facebook group, and I've seen it, you know, and I, I get it. It hurts when you get that close and you lose. It hurts especially when you get your hopes up and then you get embarrassed. We don't like to be embarrassed, and a lot of the times we turn that rage we have and that embarrassment toward the team and so you start to see all the fire this person cut this person all that kind of stuff but um after what was a really really horrible night again i'm 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 feeling good insofar as i've completely made peace with it i mean as good as you can feel the fact of the matter is there there are two things that i said that i think are very true about this season number one was the comment about being happy but not content you always want to win a Super Bowl, but you got to have some level of, you know, reality. I've been, I've been trying to consume as much, uh, you know, podcasts, articles, um, Facebook stuff as I can. And um, I think it was John Meerdink. I was listening to his. John does a very good job with his podcast. But one of the things he had talked about was how the, the sort of simple, easy explanation that you can have is to kind of say, well, you know, it's hard to win a Super Bowl, it's hard to win in the NFL. That's all true, but as he got to eventually, was the point that that's that's kind of just a lazy way out. It's true, and it'll help us to feel okay with the situation. It should help some people have a sense of proportionality so that they don't overreact. That's what that statement does. The idea that everybody should be fired, everybody should be cut, we need a new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, GM, head coach, wide receivers, coach, water boy. That statement is good for them. However, it's, it doesn't do a whole lot of good outside of that, calming down the people who are losing their minds right now. Because the fact of the matter is the Super Bowl is the goal. And so the question moving forward is, where are we deficient and how do we fix it? And and, and really the best way for me personally, and I listen, I've, I've mentioned before, how much I love the off-season process. I love the excitement of it. I love the sort of, you know, the idea behind building and growing and all that kind of stuff. I, so I love this. That's part of the reason, part of the thing that's helping me cope is we are officially now in that process. Free agency and the draft, I think, is, is, is some of the most exciting stuff in football. Especially, I mean, from a podcasting standpoint, because as I've said, during the season, it gets to be a little monotonous. This is just, you just get to have fun. But we can't just sit here and say, well, it's hard, so let's just see if we can do you know, better luck next year because it just comes down to a coin flip. No, it doesn't. It's harder for some teams than others because some teams are better than others, which kind of leads me to the second thing I said that I think is true as far as a summary of this season 
and that is that the Packers were imposters. Now, please understand, I railed pretty heavily against the idea that they were frauds. I think they earned every single one of those 13 wins, and I think there's a lot to be learned from the fact that they won, because it's not a coincidence. There is something special about this team, and that's that's the thing. We gotta When we look at the, the team and do a post-mortem and try to decide what's good and what's bad, you can't, I, I think you would be mistaken. And I understand teams that, that or people that hate the Packers are going to say, well, that, that's a fluke and they're fraud. I think you would do a bad job of, of if you were in charge of this team, assessing this team moving forward. Because there's something about this team that got them to 13 wins. And finding out what that is and maintaining that and helping to grow that is a big part of it. But the reason I use the word imposters is, is because of the experience factor. The fact of the matter is you've got teams, for example, just yesterday, you had two sets of games. Um, two of those teams, the Packers and the Titans, were very, very new. And I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers. He's got a lot of experience. I'm talking about uh, one of the biggest factors in being a team is working together and, and working as a system, understanding your role, understanding everything that's in front of you and what your job is and executing that to perfection. It takes practice. It takes time. You find over the years core guys that fit your system and your role, guys that maybe they go to another team and they would never be able to produce at, at the level that they are on your team because they are perfect for your team, your coach, your system. Guys that fit your locker room, all these things, all these pieces that, that slowly come together over time. The Titans and the Packers don't have that. Titans have been through, I don't know how many offensive coordinators. I think Mariota had a new offensive coordinator every single year of his career. And although Vrabel's been there for a while, so it, that, that's a little bit different in terms of that slowly starting to come together, which is great for them. Again, let, let me just say, the Packers are in their second year with their defensive coordinator, with half of that defense being in their first year in this system because they're new to the team. And it's the first year that we're seeing the Green Bay Packers system. And Matt LaFleur has never had the ability to say, these are the guys I need to run my system. It's not even just so much about good and bad. It's about guys that fit my system. Offensive linemen that can do the things that I need them to do. Tight ends that can do the things that I need them to do. Fullbacks. The Packers haven't been through that building and growing process and understanding their roles and, and how to play off each other. And, and even for Aaron Rodgers, who's an incredibly intelligent quarterback, for him to be able to fully grasp and understand his role and develop relationships with his players and understand you know, certain plays, certain go-tos. I mean, he made checks and all these different things, but he's got to play with this for a while. And you contrast that with teams like the Chiefs, where you've got Mahomes and Reed and Tyree Kill and these guys that have been growing for a long time, especially that offense. The defense is new, but essentially this is an offense that, is, that has become this beautiful thing that really just needed a defense to be able to get them over the hump, and they got it. And the 49ers, similarly, Kyle Shanahan, everyone's acknowledged what a great offensive mind he is, but he hasn't had a very good offense, or defense for that matter, pretty much in his entire tenure. They haven't been able to get to 8-8. Eight and eight. But it's a process of, uh, this is what I need. And if you get me what I need, and if it all comes together, it's going to be a beautiful thing. The Packers have not had that yet. So what you had was a team that had talent dispersed everywhere. It's a question of, how does it all come together? How do we get more consistency? How do we get more discipline? All this stuff. I mean, this is all brand new. And so they're not frauds, but they were imposters. The Saints, the Vikings, the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Patriots, these guys have been building and building and building these beautiful things. And I think it's an under-talked-about under value of a good team is that we call it system, usually in a negative connotation. I just can't think of a better word. But it, it's, it's the, 
It's, it's the ecosystem that they build, from the locker room to the playbook, from the offense, the defense, the special teams, the coaching meetings, when we do them, how we do them, who does what and where and how, the role of the quarterback, the role of the receivers, the, the formations, the, every single thing that, is, that has grown over the years for these teams. And I, I really just believe that's the difference in what we saw yesterday, and I know it was ugly. But what, there were some attributes or, or aspects of self-destruction from the Green Bay Packers, but this really just was a team, a Green Bay Packers team that has talent, but they could not figure out how to put it together. And when you put that up against a team that is just, and I, I said this the last time they played the 49ers, I said it when they played the Eagles, it's, it's a beautifully orchestrated system. And I think the Packers are not disciplined enough to go up against that kind of stuff. When you saw the 49ers tackle, it didn't matter who was going up against who. It could have been a 130-pound defensive back. He came back, he grabbed the legs, he sweeped them, and he was down that second. Conversely, you see the right at the beginning of the game, Kevin King up against, I think it was Debo Samuel. He was there. It's not Mike Pettin's fault when you call a perfect play and you have a guy that's right there in position to make a play and he just whiffs. And, and what should have been a three-yard loss turns into a 25-yard gain or whatever it was. And so we, we just saw a team that is incredibly confident. And I'm not talking about bravado. The Packers have bravado. I'm talking about a team that is confident in themselves because they know their job and their role inside and out. They know exactly what they're doing, how to do it, what to do, because they have drilled this over and over and over. The 49ers deserve to be there. That's a good team. And, and Kyle Shanahan has done a beautiful job of getting this team where it is. And, and, and Salah, the defensive coordinator, likewise has done a beautiful job getting this defense to just click. Because, again, it's not just about players. I can go through their roster and point out guys that aren't that good. But what do they do as a unit? That's what's incredibly impressive. And so these things do take time. And the fact that without that discipline, without that experience, without that camaraderie, without knowing how and when and who and where and how and when and all those same words all over again, to be able to just kind of wing it, but have that ability to get 13 wins and ultimately 14, including the postseason, is is really something impressive. So then the question moving forward is, can they, will they build on that? Because, of course, nothing's guaranteed. As I said, they could get better and not even make the playoffs. I mean, it's unlikely, but they—I mean—they could get better and 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 not win their first game if they even get a bye. Because going back to that old adage, you know, it's it's hard to win. Saints probably better than the Vikings. They lost, and that's a team that's built and built and built and built and built and built something beautiful and just get knocked out in the wild card just like that, like they're nothing. But that—that's something to worry about at a later time. The the point and the thing that everybody needs to worry about is how do we take a step? Worry about winning later. Worry about beating out the division and getting into the playoffs. Worry about getting that by later. And the question we have to address is how do we get better? And, and, and one of the benefits is because they're so raw, it's not that hard to get better. Of course there's holes. I mean, it's one of the things, too, where, you know, some of these teams, you, you think there's only a handful of needs that the team even has. So when it gets to be your time to pick at pick 28, 27, 31, you know, if, if we don't have that one or two positions, I don't even know what to do. But you can go down the line and, and, and more or less take best player available for the Green Bay Packers. Defensive tackle, corner is reasonable depending on what they do with, with Tremont. Linebacker obviously is reasonable. Safety I don't think is, is completely out of the question because they use a lot of three safety looks. Pretty unlikely, but it's possible. 
Offensive line is not out of the question if it's somebody that could really work LaFleur's system. Running back is pretty unlikely, but not impossible. Wide receiver, obviously. Tight end, obviously. And that kind of just brings me to the bigger point of this. The most important piece for any team is not a quarterback, and it's not a pass rusher. It's a GM. If if you're building a franchise from scratch, the most important decision you're going to make is getting a good GM. After that, very well could be a good coach. I think number three after that is a quarterback, but guess what? You don't get a good quarterback unless you have a good GM. And your ability to develop that quarterback is limited by your coach. And the fact of the matter is, although we don't necessarily know what LaFleur has, I, I have reason to believe, we all have reason to believe, that we have a very, very, very good GM. And as I've pointed out several times now, the process by which he was chosen was Mark Murphy simply said to all the candidates, bring me your notebook for all the notes you had on all the prospects. He went through Brian Gutekunst's notes and said, this is 100,000% the guy. Why? Because guys like Elliot Wolf, although incredibly qualified in certain areas, when you, when you go through his notebook as far as guys that he liked and guys that he didn't like, and you stack that up next to guys like Brian Gutekunst, it wasn't even close. And Mark Murphy made that very, very clear. This man is incredibly talented when it comes to player evaluation. Nowhere has that been more evident, which is incredibly exciting, than looking at free agency. Nobody on earth, except maybe Brian Gutekunst and the Packers, as well as the Baltimore Ravens, had any idea how good Zadarius Smith was going to be. And that's twofold, right? What are we talking about? That's a GM assessing it? That is the GM coming up with a price and a negotiation strategy to acquire him? And that's also coaching, being able to get the best out of him. Granted, that's not necessarily the head coach, but it is your coaching staff. And so when you look into the future, it's, it's always scary at this point because you wonder, are we going to regress or progress? We look at the Chicago Bears and we say, look at how much they fell off. And you realize that's entirely possible. It could happen to us as well. The biggest difference, I believe, is that I don't think they have a very good GM. I know the Packers do. And although nothing is guaranteed, you can have great GMs who make mistakes because nobody at the end of the day actually knows what's going to happen or who's going to be good. Teams with good GMs are the ones that tend to stay on top, and that's been true since forever. And it's the reason the Packers have been at the top for so long. As much as Ted Thompson lost his edge, he was a great GM in his time, especially when you talk about you know, player evaluation and later rounds. He was about as good as they came. We, 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 we make fun of him for his lack of, of desire to go into free agency, but when he did, it changed the franchise. He knew exactly what he was doing. A great GM is what's going to keep this team in the playoffs year after year after year, and the Packers have it, and because of that, we have reason to believe that we're going to keep coming back. We can't guarantee we're going to be in the playoffs. We can't guarantee we're going to get to the NFC Championship game. We can't guarantee Super Bowl, but we have reason for certainty more so than most teams. And beyond that, the groundwork that has already been laid is what's what also can give us certainty. The fact that Brian Gutekunst didn't go out and sign 35-year-old safeties like uh, Earl Thomas. I don't know if he's 35, but you you get my point. He went out and got 26-year-old guys who were just getting into their prime. So talent-wise, we're set up for the long run. Uh, Player acquisition, we're set up for the long run because of our GM. And again, this this is when it gets fun. And I understand a lot of people probably have already abandoned things, and, and that's their loss because this is when it gets fun. This is when it gets real. This is where the team is built. All the cheering that we did this year is because of the work that was done at this time last year. Looking at the Shrine game, looking at the Senior Bowl, looking at the Combine, 
the draft, free agency, all these different things. This is where your team is built. So do not abandon the Packers now. Do not go into hibernation and say, I'll be back in August. You're missing it. You're missing all of it. And so I once again want to make my appeal for all of you to please stick with the Packernet podcast because I, I promise you this is going to be a long and strong grind and, and this is my favorite time of year because this is when you get to do the fun stuff. And uh, the Facebook group I think is going to make this even better because last year the Facebook group was probably about 80 people at this time. We're at probably closer to 800 right now. And so the, the ability to dig in and find the right questions to ask is going to make this offseason invaluable. So why don't we take a break? We'll come back and talk about a couple other things. Not sure if we'll do a second break or not. I kind of got to get out of here for checkout and whatnot. So uh, actually, before we get there, I also want to encourage you, patreon.com slash packdaddy, pack underscore daddy. There's a link in the description. But uh, definitely encourage you to jump in and support the podcast if you can. Um, I, I always make this promise, and occasionally I follow through but in the off season especially looking at a lot of draft stuff my intention is to bring a lot of extra value to the patrons especially now that it's growing you know no offense when it was 15 patrons it's hard to dedicate a lot of time but as we get closer to 100 it's certainly uh, the obligation for me to bring some value there is, is much higher so I'll be doing some mock drafts i also have a a big board that is an aggregation that i'm going to be updating this next week and so we're going to have a, a real good time there. And don't forget, there is a giveaway at the end of the month for a free T-shirt for one lucky donor. Um, I don't know, there's other stuff, but I just want to keep going here. So let's take a break, and we'll get back into it. I know for some of you, you're not just football fans, but you're sports fans in general. If the Brewers are on that list for you, I've got an idea, and you probably can't even guess what it is. It's a little crazy, but hear me out. Maybe this spring you follow the Milwaukee Brewers to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training, right? You didn't even think of that. Neither did I until just a minute ago. It's crazy. But just think about it. Grand Canyon, right? Cactus. You've never seen a cactus in your life. I want to see a cactus. I've never seen a cactus. Go out to some great restaurants, listen to some great music in beautiful 75-degree weather. See some amazing landscapes that you can't find in Wisconsin or a lot of other places throughout the world. On top of the Grand Canyon, they got Monument Valley, Horseshoe Bend. Go check out Tucson, right? And then when you're done, you bring the kids back to the family-friendly resorts with the water parks. Maybe the next day you go out horseback ride. You know it sounds fun. So why don't you plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. Simply Safe home security is like getting commercial-grade enterprise-level security, but for your own home. Think about the security that Fortune 500 companies use. Those guys need to know that police are going to be on the scene immediately, and that's exactly the kind of security you're going to get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in in your house, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. You'll have outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you anytime anyone approaches your home. You've got entry and motion and glass break sensors. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set up your system yourself with no tools needed, or Simply Safe's experts can do it for you. 
Best of all, it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. So go to simplysafe.com slash overtime today to get a free shipping on your order plus a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. simplysafe.com slash overtime. Just because the Packers season is done, it doesn't mean the coverage is over with. That's why I wanted to talk to you today about The Athletic, which is a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. They've got real thorough in-depth coverage from all the local writers on every team, plus national writers you already know like Jake Lazier and Michael Lombardi. These guys set a really high bar. With that subscription, you're not going to have any ads or pop-ups or clickbait nonsense. There's no reason for them to try to drive more people to their site with nonsense clickbait articles. The only way they get your business is by bringing you the quality that you want and deserve. You're going to get exclusive player profiles, deep dives on analytics, team power rankings, and fantasy sports insights you're not going to find anywhere else. Each subscriber is going to get a personalized feed of stories, live writers, Q&As, and more. Just download the Athletic app, pick your favorite team, and the Athletic will start bringing you the news and player information that matters to you. If you're ready to get started, get 40% off a yearly subscription to The Athletic when you go to theathletic.com slash overtime. That's theathletic.com slash overtime. All right, so I want to address a couple specific points. And, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm not, I'm pretty open-minded at this point. That is to say, I haven't really come to any strong conclusions. So I'm, I'm not anti-fire this person, fire that person, but I'm always the last one to, to join the party. So, you know, some people do need to get fired and, and the teams do need to move on and, and just know that I'll be late to that party. But let, let me say a couple things. Number one, as far as Aaron Rodgers, I think it's very safe to say that we will not see the Aaron Rodgers of 2011 ever again. That's not to say he can't be a very, very good quarterback. That's not even to say that he's not still a good quarterback. It's just to say that the process of regression has begun which is to be expected for every single player on earth. It's not all that shocking that after all these years, you have 20-something-year-old quarterbacks that are finally starting to play a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers is. That shouldn't shock anybody. Here's the other thing I'll say, though, that, that kind of um, is painful about what happened yesterday. I had made the comment throughout the postseason that Aaron Rodgers just needs an opportunity. Just give him a chance to win, and he'll be the hero. That didn't happen yesterday. Now, he wasn't faultless. He threw some bad passes. He threw interceptions. One of them, you know, look, I mean, it was a last-minute, basically a Hail Mary pass, and it was overthrown, but it wasn't going anywhere anyway. But the fact of the matter is, and I know the stat line is, is not all that important, but that I really thought that was a pretty good performance from Aaron Rodgers. I genuinely do. I thought the passes, for the most part, were pinpoint. Of course, not the underthrow that was picked. But we saw another beautiful over-the-shoulder pass to Devontae. We've seen a couple passes that were just beautiful passes. They they mounted a, a comeback toward the second half. And, you, and we can sit here and say, well, that was you know garbage time. Okay, maybe. That doesn't take from the fact that the receivers were open and Rodgers was throwing dimes. But the point is, we'll, we'll never know whether or not Aaron Rodgers would have been able to be the hero in this game and beat the 49ers because the defense just fell apart. The defense this whole year, their end of the bargain is keep teams to 24. They've been able to do it all year. We talked about yesterday how the team is not allowed, they're averaging over the last five games about 16 points. And that includes teams like Seattle and Minnesota. They've done a phenomenal job, but the defense just got destroyed. And so again, we have another year of Aaron Rodgers that was lost 
and, and strangely, it, it's a year in which the defense carried the offense more than it was the other way around, in which we still had a situation where Aaron Rodgers says, yay, we finally have a defense, now I finally have the opportunity to get us to a Super Bowl, and the defense laid down again. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to blame Aaron Rodgers in a performance in which the defense had 37 points. I'm not putting that on Rodgers, because, you know, I don't think it's reasonable to say, well, then you should have gotten 40. I'm just not going there. And so uh, it's a little disheartening, and I do think that there will be a, I mean, obviously there will be a change of quarterback at some time, and it's not going to happen next year or probably the year after that. And so I'm not on the dump Aaron Rodgers train, because I, I do think that the offense improved toward the second half of the season. I think if we load up some more offensive talent, we'll get to see a little bit better version of the offense and a better version of Aaron Rodgers. And I just like to see it. I'm, 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 that's why I'm always late to the party is because I need to know that it's their fault before we move on. And again, I'm, I, I still have some hang-up. I want someone to explain to me why he has a better, he, better accuracy when throwing to Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Is that a coincidence or is it possibly that the wide receivers, some of them are better than others? And that a good wide receiver runs a better route is more likely to get a ball thrown in the right spot. And I also don't think we need to have the best quarterback in all of football or we move on. I think if we can continue to build and continue to grow this defense and continue to bring more weapon and continue to just do things the right way, we can we can get by with a top 10 quarterback and be content with that. Top 10 quarterbacks win Super Bowls. You don't have to be top three. It also brings me to Mike Pettin. There's only two other things I want to say, which is why I did all three ads at, at, at a time, because I've got three more comments and then we'll be done. Here's the thing with Mike Pettin, and I understand this is not a direct parallel, but I want to just point something out. It's not the first time I've done this. If we look at last year and we recognize last year was a very, very down year, we had the 22nd ranked defense in terms of points. In 2019, that went from 22nd to 9th. Now, points aren't necessarily everything, and obviously the, the team had a hard time stopping the run at times, and there are other times when you go up against really good offensive lines, they just got completely gashed. It's overstated how bad they were against the run throughout the entire season, but it's certainly a problem, and it's pretty much been a problem since forever with the Packers. But let me also remind you, the Bears in 2016, the first year under Vic Fangio, were 24th in points. That's worse than Vic, than uh, Mike Pettin's first year. They went in his second year from 24th to 9th, almost exactly the same thing the the Green Bay Packers did, going from 22nd to 9th. The next year in 2018, it was the number one defense and one of the most dominant defenses we've seen. Again, there, there's no direct parallel or reason to necessarily believe that. However, looking at the same logic of all this, a lot of people would say that Vic Fangio should have been fired. The team went 5-11. and 11. The only reason there probably wasn't a lot of heat on Vic Fangio is because the offense was so bad. But this is a team that, that was similar to the Packers insofar as, number one, again, ninth overall in defense, and a lot of games were 50-50. They were down to the wire. The only difference was the offense couldn't punch it in. The, the only difference between the 2017 Bears and the 2019 Packers is the fact that the Packers had the 15th best offense and the Bears had the 29th best. The Packers had a good enough offense to be able to get them over the hump and actually win those close games. The Bears did not. They lost when it got close. And so I guess here's the point. Again, I'm, I'm agnostic at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm open to both things. I just want to make sure we're making the right decisions. I don't want to get rid of Vic Fangio in 2017 because our, this team didn't play up to expectations and we get rid of him one year before he's about to turn this thing into a, a, a top five, top three, number one overall defense. 
However, I also don't want another, you know, Dom Caper situation where we hang on to a guy for too long. And, and here is my, I suppose, case in the opposite direction. Here is the other case to be made. Number one, this is, as a defensive coordinator, this was sort of a Mike McCarthy hire. Mike Pettin was a very respected defensive coordinator in a different era, as was Dom Capers, by the way, very, very respected, very, very dominant guy in his day. He then went on to be a head coach. That failed. He took some time off to reassess and to learn and to grow, and then we gave him another shot and basically said, we, we want to see if you know that time off has really helped you to grow into being this great defensive coordinator like you once were. Can you continue that? Maybe instead of the Mike McCarthy hire, like the Dallas Cowboys did, we look for another Matt LaFleur hire. Something like poaching somebody off of, of the 49ers staff, or the Ravens staff, or even from a Vic Fangio, or whatever. And the other thing to remember is that Mike Patton was more or less pushed on Matt LaFleur. Now, I think it's been a fairly good relationship, and I know Matt LaFleur said he has leaned on Mike Patton, having been a former head coach. Uh, showing him kind of the ropes and helping him guide him along that thing. But what's to say Matt LaFleur can't go to the people in charge and say, look, you gave the guy everything he wanted. We went all in on defense last year and they couldn't quite perform. I would like the opportunity to hire my own defensive coordinator. And what's to say that they don't give him the okay on that and say, okay, fine. And so the, the point is, the Packers aren't where they want to be. Is it a simple matter of giving him more time, which is always an important thing. Guys need time. Very rarely is somebody going to come in and in one year or even two years turn this into an elite defense. I've talked also several times about the, the um, Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator and how that guy was just basically garbage for a very long time. And I, that's an unfair term, but the results weren't there. Suddenly he goes to Baltimore, he gets promoted and promoted and promoted, and here he goes. Defensive coordinator again, and look at the defense. It's a good defense. Do we need better players? Have we given him everything he wants and he still can't perform? What is the problem? Ultimately, that's going to be for the GM to decide, but because I have a podcast, we're going to think through this together a little bit. And again, I don't have an answer right now. I'm just telling you where I'm at, and I'm not at the point at which I'm saying fire Dom Capers. I, or, <laughs> see? Whoops-a-daisy. little Freudian slip there. I'm not to the point of saying we should fire Mike Pettin, but I am open to it. Again, I'm not going to blame Mike Pettin because, you know, Kevin King is missing tackles and Blake Martinez doesn't know how to attack a running back or shed blocks or whatever. That's not Mike Pettin's fault. However, when guys like Brett Coleman put out videos and say this is an unbelievably disgustingly um, predictable defense, that scares me and it upsets me because that's something that Dom Capers was accused of. When you had Packers after Dom Capers left coming out and saying, look, they knew exactly what we were doing. They would see us line up, call adjustments because they knew Dom Capers inside and out, and there you go. And when you got a guy like, I mean, and listen, I, I like Brett Coleman. He's an incredibly intelligent guy, but if he can read this defense inside and out, I'm sure a lot of other teams can. And when you have an incredibly intelligent offensive line like Kyle Shanahan with a great group of guys that know how to execute his plans, if he knows how to read and, and, and manipulate what the Packers are going to do. In other words, if you can have an offense that's good enough to where if you know the defensive play call, you know how to beat it, and you just do that, it's very possible that's why we've seen a slaughtering of the Packers' defense. Because if I may continue on this path of sort of the anti-Petton thing, the defense isn't that bad. They are not giving up 37 points bad. This had the feeling of an offense that just knows how to exploit this defense. 
And so I think one of the important things that the GM and, and a lot of the leadership are going to have to do is to sit down and look at it and say, why were they able to do that to us? Because the fact of the matter is, as much as I like Dom, uh, my goodness, I keep doing it. As much as I like Mike Pettin, as much as I believe in this team and its ability to grow, if the Super Bowl is the goal, we have to be able to not just say, how can we go 13-3? and How can we beat the Bears, the Lions, and the Vikings? But how do we beat the 49ers? How do we stop them from exploiting us like that? Or what about the Saints? Have we gone toe-to-toe with the Saints or the Ravens? Is there any doubt they would have been able to do that to our defense as well? How do we build a defense? Is it more players, or is there a problem with you and your scheme How do we make sure that there isn't an offense that can simply say, I know how to beat them? If they do X, we do Y. If they do Y, we do X. And if that's all it comes down to as far as beating this Packers defense, I don't care how many wide receivers we add. I don't care if we get a new linebacker. None of this stuff really matters. We're not going to be able to get over that last little hump to beat those truly elite teams. And, and listen, those, those are going to be tough games no matter what, but you have to have a chance. And if guys are just hanging up 37 points like it's nothing on you, if this is going to be every year the 49ers just come in and, I mean, it, you know what was the worst? Now I'm getting amped up, and I, I was going to not go down this road, but I think the hardest and most painful thing to watch was in both situations against the 49ers watching them just smile and giggle like this is a joke because that's how they felt, because that's kind of what it was. They don't view the Packers as a challenge, and they're not. Now, to other teams, they are, whether it's just a good matchup or whatever, but for whatever reason, the 49ers, with their abilities and their know-how, know exactly how to beat this defense, and it's not even hard. That was easy for them. We may have well been watching the 49ers against Wisconsin, and so that's kind of one of the things that we're going to need to look at. And again, I'm, I'm wide open. If you're upset about something, if you believe we need to change this, that, or the other, go ahead and lay it out there. Just try to make a really good case for it because I'm not going to be easily convinced. And if it's going to be an emotional argument about I'm angry that we did this, therefore fire, 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 I'm just going to ignore you. Because I'm not just sitting here looking to pout and cry. I actually want to know how to build this thing. What are the solutions to grow so that we can take on teams like the 49ers? And in order to do that, we have to find the actual problems. Is it Blake? Is it the defensive line? Is it Petten? The scheme? What is it? So that's what I want to start investigating, and we've got a lot of time to do that. Also going to be spending a lot of time looking at the draft, looking at free agents and guys that can maybe come in and help us out. And and again, not because I'm anti-Petten, because right now I'm not on the fire Petten bandwagon, but I do think it might be worthwhile to look at some different coaches and coordinators. And maybe this is one of those things, and listen, if, if I were to take a guess as to what happens, usually, especially for the Green Bay Packers, they give a guy a shot. And I know you could say, well, he had a shot last year. This was his second chance. Well, they did get better. I would say that this is one of those situations where maybe this is when we start to see fall guys. Because Petten also had some carryover from, from previous Dom Capers guys or whatever. Maybe we start to see some of these guys go by the wayside, right? He hired Mike Smith. Right, the pass rusher, our outside linebacker coach, that was an incredible hire. Maybe we see more of that. Maybe we start to see some other guys come in and, and start to make some changes as sort of, you know, again, they, they're going to have a sit down with Mike Pettin, want some answers. He's going to have to come up with some answers, and maybe that's just, look, I need X, Y, and Z players. But also, you know, there was some issues with the coaching staff. I'd like to, to move forward with the different coach here, there, or the other thing. And if we see that, that could be a sign that maybe this, because that's usually the last shoe to fall. Right, when the guy just underneath you gets fired, you're probably next on the chopping block, meaning you better produce this year or else. 
So that may come down the pipe. But again, it's going to come to maybe they don't have any problem with, with Mike Pettin and they just think that the problem is the players. However, if, if, if I'm the GM and I invest that much in this defense and say, OK, make it work. And we have that much production from defense. When we have a guy like Kenny Clark and Zadarius and Preston and that much production and we still struggle to do basic things like tackling and all that. I'm I, if again, if I'm the GM, I want answers and I want some good ones. And, and I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want to hear, well, I don't have a good enough defensive tackle next to Kenny Clark. Because guess what? Neither do the Chiefs. They got one good defensive tackle, and they don't have as good a pass rushers as we do. And they're in the Super Bowl right now. Yes, I understand they have Pat Mahomes. But again, I just, I just don't want excuses. As a coach, I want you to tell me what we have and how we're going to make it work. And if you want to elaborate a bit on that in terms of here's a, a few areas in which we could improve, that's fine. But in terms of excuses, I just don't want to hear it. That's true offensively and defensively. That's true from the quarterback to the coaches to the assistant coaches to everybody. The 49ers are not a perfect team. They don't have a perfect roster, but they play like they are. And so it's also one of those things we've got to keep our ear to the ground and listen very closely to these interviews. We're going to be hearing from Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy and, and, and Matt LaFleur and Mike Pettin and from the players in terms of what they've had to say. And Aaron Rodgers had some really good words that we'll talk about in the future but really try to read between the lines um, of these these kinds of press conferences and see what it is that they're going to be saying um, to try to get some hints as far as where we're going. But anyways, i got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.